Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez and my often and original co-host, David Begin, is with me today. Hello, David. Hello, Henry. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure to be on your ever-growing podcast. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. And because um, it's been it's been a little bit, not too long, but it's been a bit since yeah. we've done an episode together. And this one's going to be about employee performance management, which is a fancy, I guess, term for uh, really paying attention as a small business owner and developing the systems and the programs and the process to uh, effectively manage performance. It doesn't it doesn't just happen. We really have to manage it in our small business. So David and I are going to share our thoughts, opinions experiences and some tools as well to help you with employee performance management for your small business. If you want to receive more information about the Howa business, including the show notes page for this episode, and you're going to want to go there because I have a bunch of free downloads that uh, I want to offer you and also how to continue supporting my show and receive exclusive content and discounts through a Patreon membership, just visit thehowabusiness.com. I also encourage you to please subscribe wherever you're listening to the show so you don't miss any episodes. Before I get into it, Dave, I want to do a quick shout out. I had, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to it, but I had a a chance to interview a guy by the name of Matt Greg Smith, episode 459. And he has brought over from London a concept that he calls Swingers Crazy Golf. Interesting. I think you and I may have chatted about it because the, the they call it in the UK, they call it crazy golf where we call it miniature golf. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't know where, why golf. they call it crazy <laughs> golf, but that's what they call it there. And that's the name that he brought over. And, and it's a yeah. great interview. He, has, he shared his entrepreneurial background. And, and so they've opened a location in Manhattan. They've got locations in Washington, D.C. area, and they're growing. These are indoors. So, uh, and it's hugely upscale compared to what we think of as the miniature golf down the street, right? So this is an adult experience. They combine uh, drinks and food in in an adult experience. And so because they have one in Manhattan, they invited and hosted McKenna, my daughter McKenna, and her boyfriend Colin, and they got to go, and they had a great time. Well, good. I'm glad. It sounds like fun. You know, yeah. Every time I hear about a business idea like this, oh, that sounds like fun. We had. I know. It, but... I know it would be fun to own this kind of business <laughs> because it's just you walk in. I mean, this is like uh, the decor and the theming is like something you would never have never seen associated with miniature golf, right? It's at a, yeah. it's at a whole nother level. So it's in a, it's a really a classic experience. So check out if you had, didn't haven't listened to that episode uh, for my listeners, check out episode 459. If you're in Manhattan or you're in Washington, DC, check out swingers, crazy golf. And thanks to you guys for over there for hosting McKenna and Colin. They had a great time. All right, let's get into it. I mentioned there's going to be a bunch of downloads. So go to the show notes page for this episode at thehowabusiness.com. And I'll kind of mention these as we go through this, but let's get into it. I thought we would start, David, with why is, for small business owners, why is employee performance management important? What is your opinion on that? Well, it's incredibly important because you want the employees to understand what you need from from your business and how they they fit into the overall scheme of things, but from their perspective, they need to, you know, they should be able to get better at what they do. So if they're with you for two years or 20 years, you know, in that time frame, they ought to be able to develop themselves into the ideal employee. And that's, that's not from a business standpoint, that sounds kind of selfish, but mm-hmm. really from, from their standpoint, they ought to be able to actualize themselves in all the ways that they would want to, um, you know, to be able to, be a good contributor. Yeah. It's amazing to me how many uh, small business owners I speak with that don't have any kind of formal performance management program in place. And uh, we'll talk about some examples of that, but I'm talking about maybe something as simple as having a formal sit down review once a year. They, They don't even do that. 
Um, and I guess for us, you know, we came from the corporate world, as a lot of listeners uh, have as well. So we 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 learned that very, you know, to the other extreme, right? These right. very uh, detailed and and kind of uh, forced review process that I hated, by the way, I always hated being at the employee end of it, because I always felt like my bosses had had to pick out something that was an area for improvement that I, you know, my ego just couldn't handle. that. <laughs> but, but well, in our, in the corporate world that it happened on a regular basis, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and, and they probably didn't do it as well as they could have. And hopefully no, we'll talk no. about some ideas here mm-hmm. where you make it a real productive session for both you and the employee and the employee. If the employee isn't inspired by the time they leave uh, a performance review, then we probably didn't do it correctly. Good point. That's a great way to put it. You know, and going back to the point that you opened with, I think you, 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 you helped me with this and you applied it at your, at, at your car wash. We applied it at, at, I top it our frozen yogurt business. And you're doing that. You're helping people now with car wash OS is to have this perspective. And I do think it is a mind shift for employers, especially with now the shift in general after COVID with how people look at jobs. But you help me with understand that we, we want this employee, hopefully they'll stay with us for a period of time. Yeah. But do we help them get better and do we help them develop skills that they can take elsewhere depending on where they go next? Yeah. And, and most of us that, jump out of corporate probably weren't like running big, large divisions of the corporation. You know, we might've been a salesperson or sales manager, but we probably weren't taught how to manage. And so when we end up owning a business, for some reason we think, oh, all this corporate experience I have will translate really well to my small business. And, And sometimes it does from an operational standpoint, but then most times from a management standpoint, we don't know how to manage people. Mm-hmm. And I, I struggled with that for years, you know, saying, why are these people just not motivated? Why are these people not like me? I mean, that, that was what was running through my head. Right. Why do they, why, why don't they want to get ahead in life? Why don't they yeah. want to get better? And I was so frustrated with employees. You know, I can't tell you how many times I wanted to just sell the business and quit. <laughs> but um, it's when I finally got desperate enough and got some coaching from a lady named Chris Plackey who, if you're a woman CEO, she only, I guess after she coached me, she decided to only coach women. <laughs> no, she, uh, she actually specialized in that, but, but she was one that coached me and she coached me for about 12 to 18 months. And she literally flipped the light bulb for me in how to manage people and how to look at it with a mindset that makes it easier for me and makes it easier for the employee. And it literally changed. I mean, I'd say it's one of the you know, I look back at, you know, my, my career, it's one of the few pivotal moments where it literally changed everything for me as far as being a business owner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, I think it uh, made you focus more on being a leader as well, not just a manager. Yeah. But, but I, I, I had a really simple system in order to assess what's going on and that's what I was missing. And mm-hmm. asking a question, why in the world don't they do what I want them to do was not a, question that could really be answered, you know, right, but, right. but f- finally, when I ran it through this flow chart that we created, it made total sense to me. Yeah. And, and I think that we also, um, we also realized that uh, we're, we're, sometimes we're managing younger people, a different generation, different motivations. And so we, we thought everybody was motivated the same way. And, and uh, we, if we have a business, especially where we employ younger people, maybe hourly wage people. Uh, we, I know that I brought to the mentality of corporate, which is to try to keep, help you want you to stay there forever. Right. But that, mm-hmm. that's not, that's not realistic. And so in a, the, the yoga shop, if we got a year out of somebody that was fantastic and that was okay. And it was okay that right. they moved on because these people were in a transitionary period of their life for a, to a big extent. Right. So that's okay. Yeah. Um, and so I've, I've had people come back that I fired or we had an argument and they quit or whatever. And they come back and thank me. And I'm like, I can't believe they're coming back and thanking me because <laughs> I'm embarrassed how, how I, I managed back then. But, you know, it's interesting. People do remember the lessons that you do teach them 
if you're talking from a mentor or a coach perspective, sometimes you got to be the boss mm -hmm. and there there's lessons to be learned there. But I'm always surprised when people who I thought I had a problem with, when I see them again, they're just happy to see me and thank me for the opportunity they had. Yeah, and that's, that's really exciting. You know, we've talked about that before and I've given that a lot of thought. And I think that there's a couple of primary reasons why you have experienced that. Uh, number one, I think it's because people do end up then appreciating the level of standard, the way that you were trying to run things, to do it right, to do it well, to do right by your customers. I think that sometimes it takes people going elsewhere where it's more dysfunctional to appreciate that. So I think that's one yeah, piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the second part of it is that they appreciate uh, while they may not have appreciated it while they were there, they appreciate the investment that you made and were willing to make in their training, in their development, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I think that that's critical. So let's let's get into kind of some of those best practices, right? We're not going to cover all of them, but some of the things that I think that stand out and that this relates to the point that I just made. And that is, first, I'll start with with clearly defined expectations, and yeah. and that can, from a mechanical perspective or a, or a uh, you know execution perspective, I think that starts with even before you fill that position, having a clear job description. What are the responsibilities, the duties that this person is going to have? Because if I think yeah. if you don't define that clearly, you hire someone into a vague environment. I get it. Sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you're creating it or evolving the position. But the more clear you can be with setting the right expectations from day one, I think that's part of it as well. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And as you say that, I think of a funny story because we used to host Air Force cadets at our house. So we're, we live across the highway from the Air Force Academy here in Colorado Springs. And a lot of these students would show up. It's like the week before July 4th, the freshman class or the fourth degrees is what they call them come and they start their boot, boot camp training for like eight weeks. And, you know, I think the attrition rate might be 10% before school starts. Wow. And, uh, some of our cadets would, would tell me that, uh, you know, when the people would quit and ask them why they quit, they go, I didn't realize there was going to be all this military stuff. <laughs> I'm like, how can you not Classic disconnect. Yeah. You're going to, a you're going to the academy. Air Force Academy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what they thought was going on, but but I laugh about that when I think of clear clear expectations, right? Either they weren't listening, or which I think is probably more more like the case, or probably. somebody didn't sit them down and said, "Here's what you're about to go through." You know, mm -hmm. before you sign on, want to make sure you understand what you're about to get into. Yeah, and so it it could be as simple as like at the car wash when we had the car washes. Hey, this is an outdoor job. So, mm -hmm. yep. you know, if you're uncomfortable outdoor, or you get cold too quickly, or you don't like the environment, it's not going to be a good fit. So it could be simple as letting people know it's an outdoor job. It's a physical job. You're going to be on your feet quite a bit, you know, so that when they sign on, they've got a clear expectation of what the job characteristics are, but also a clear expectation of what the standards are. And I like, I like the word standards. Uh, sometimes better than expectations because mm -hmm. standards is something we all strive, strive to, to achieve. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's more of a collective word. I think that we are, we're all striving to the standards that we want to operate this business in. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Yeah. So clearly define those standards. So one of the downloads that I have for this that can help you with this is a sample job description and posting and so you mm -hmm. can download that sample job description. It's kind of an accumulation of ones that we've used, David, at our different businesses. So at the howabusiness.com show notes page or the page for this episode, download the sample job descriptions if you don't have one or at least even to compare it. So that's the first tool that I want to recommend. All right, let's talk about then uh, kind of kind of going in the life cycle a little bit, but uh, in, in regular feedback sessions, as I said uh, when we first started chatting, it's amazing how many organizations don't have a formal process of regular feedback. And I'm talking now about that employee review session, whether you right. do it, you know, once a year or every two years. Now, I will say before we get into this part of it, that, you know, the feedback that I've gotten, and certainly I agree with that we'll get to in a moment, 
this is different from ongoing coaching and uh, performance evaluation and feedback. This is that formal session, right? Yeah. Um, I did an episode, episode 330, entitled Employee Development with Laura Tolhook, and mm -hmm. she talks a lot about this. So if you want to learn more about it, uh, certainly listen to episode 330. But what are, what are your thoughts on regular feedback sessions and formal reviews? We can talk about those two things combined. Yeah, I, I think the more informal feedback sessions you can give, it makes the formal review a lot better. And that's probably why you had a lot of anxiety when you've got that in the core, when you did it in the corporate world, because you didn't mm -hmm. get much feedback throughout right. the year. Right. You got all your feedback in one half hour, 45, 60 minute session, and then you're supposed to go away and apply that. And I think that's very anxiety creating. So I think the more, the more feedback you can give people, the, the more feedback as early on in the process that you can give somebody, the better. Um, you know, I, I, I have some clients that I do work with from a sales management perspective and they just lost some salespeople and we're going back and saying, okay, what did we do here that didn't work out? And a lot of it is not holding them accountable to what the expectations and standards were at certain mm -hmm. timeframes. So by three months, you need to be able to do these things by six months, you need to be able to do these things, you know, and checking them and seeing if in fact they had a, you know, they claim they had a big technology background, but when it came to find out, they didn't have a good mm. technology background. So that that's a red flag, right? So we hired you for this. You don't have that skill set. So what do we do? How how do we how do we figure out if we can get you those skills, or is this going to be a red flag? Mm -hmm. and, and things along those lines. So I'm a big believer in informal feedback, but also setting some of those gates real early. So if you hire, you know, in our, our industry, what I encourage people to do is give, you hire them, give them feedback within seven days on how they're doing and then yeah. give them 14, 21 days and then go to 30 days and then 30, 60, 90, and then maybe 180. But, but the more feedback you can give them early, the better, you know, um, it's almost like, you know, we've used the analogy of how many times is a rocket off course when it's taking off? Um, it's off course all the time, but it's, right. you know, it's using their their fins and stuff to steer back on. It's, you know, many, many minor corrections. And if you look at it, it appears that it's on course, mm -hmm. you know, and it ends up where, where it needs to go. But um, I think it's the same with employees. You know, the more the more inputs you can give them on what the standards are and how they're meeting those particular standards, I think you they'll have a better opportunity to, to be successful in your organization. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And you've also shared with me that, that we should try to use performance reviews to encourage employees to become better at their jobs, obviously. Right. So mm -hmm. we're helping them achieve success. We're giving them the tools to achieve success. So yeah, right. I, I agree with you. I, what I have found, I think sometimes David might be, uh, when, and especially when, uh, when an employee is not doing well or not doing, living up to the standards is I think I, sometimes I find that people want to avoid the confrontation, uh, because, because they oh, let yeah. it go, they let it go, they let it go. And now it's, now it's, I've got to have that big talk. It's a big confrontation yeah. and everybody's uncomfortable. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in sales training, we used to talk about, you know, have a series of small confrontations with your prospect, but also probably with your employee, right? If you want to call mm -hmm. it a confrontation, right? You know, if you have a series of small confrontations with your employees, you avoid the big one at the end. Yes. Yeah. Right. I agree. And so I think, I, I, I think that applies here. The other thing I think from a mindset perspective that when we go into this, I think is really helpful from a manager perspective. You want that person you hired to be successful. So that's on your side. They joined your company believing that they could be successful. So you both have the same goals in mind, right? You want them to be successful. They want to be successful. No, nobody's joining your organization not to be successful. Now, the interpretation of what that means sometimes is different, right? And so you're actually not across the table from them in those regards. You're actually sitting next to them at the table saying, how do we help you become successful? You know, and, and if you think about that, it really kind of changed, it changed my perspective of that employee being an ally instead of being an adversary. Oh, they're just, they don't want to work. They're lazy. You know, they're, they're trying to take advantage of the system or whatever. I don't, I don't look at that anymore. When I look at an employee, I said, okay, they want to be successful too. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that's very well said. Uh, you know, the way that I put that same belief sometimes is I, I believe that nine out of 10 employees want to do a good job. They want to do the yeah. right thing. Yeah. Uh, and that leads me then to discussing in part here why when it doesn't work out with an employee, part of what we have to look at is what what failed here. So I've got a great download that I have updated, and, and this is the uh, performance review tool. Uh, so it's a, an example of a, a performance review tool if you don't have one. But what I've added now to it is a chart that you helped me think through. Mm -hmm. and it's a simple decision chart. It seems simple, but there's really a lot to it. And really, it starts with, if you can picture it, you know, employee is not performing the standards, as you say. And then making this first determination, are they unable or unwilling? Are they are they, are they unable to do it or they just don't want to? We have an attitude right. problem or a cultural problem. If they're right. unable, let's just go down that path for a moment. Then I think what you and I have done very well over the years, we learned to do is to not just point the finger at the employee, but look also at our systems. Is it is yeah. it our systems that are failing these employees, right? Yeah. And I, I think that was the pivotal thing that Chris Plackey taught me was the first thing you ask yourself, are they unwilling or are they unable? And that simplified management for me in such a way that it, I got such clarity about how to manage people because you just put them through that filter of it's either A or B. Mm -hmm. And I always make the assumption it's A. I always make this, the mm -hmm. assumption they're unable. They're unable. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so- I, I always give the employee so much of the benefit of the doubt in the unable category because, oh, we failed you. You know, we failed you as a company. I failed you as a manager. Our systems failed you, you know, in giving you the information or the training you need. You know, we we trained you, but we, we weren't effective or we didn't follow up. It's always about me and what we did and what our company did to fail them. Yeah. I, and I always and, look at it. If it ends up being that we have to terminate that employee for whatever reason, you and I, that was one of the first questions I would ask. Okay, where did where did we miss something? That's right. Um, all the way back to the job posting, right? So, so how did we miss a line? What did we what could we have done better in the interview process? You know, maybe nothing, but what could we have done better? What what could we have asked or explored that might have uncovered this issue? And then to your point, where is my training and coaching? not serving this employee or where did it yeah. break? Or is it simply that this person learns differently or it's taken that person longer and I have to help them with skills development. So it's either or both systems or skills. If I take this branch of unable, it's one or a combination yeah. of those two things at a high level. Yeah. 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 Now, if, if you take the analogy of a baseball game has nine, nine innings, you know, it's usually the first seven innings that I'm working with the employee in the, in the un, un, unable category, mm -hmm. you know, so we're spending a vast majority of time in the, they're unable to do it. And we're not, we're not, for some reason, we're not serving that, that employee. It's only toward the very end where we start talking about maybe they're just not willing to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So if you take the branch, then you determine they're just unwilling. Then the big question that you ask is, are they a cultural fit? And right. I think the reason we asked that question, David, is to, to help us identify, is it worth it for me to continue investing in this individual or are they just not a fit for our team and for our environment? Yeah. And I would say this is a good example. If you don't have good operational processes and standard and training, you and I've talked about this. When somebody joins a company and there's a lack of structure for them, they're going to make the job what they think the job should be. And it's typically not going to be the same thing that you think the job should be. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, again, I did this for years and years and years where we hire an employee and they would try to morph the job into what they think they wanted it to be uh, because there wasn't, we, we, we didn't have standards. We didn't have documented processes and procedures. We didn't have good training. We didn't do any assessments. The performance reviews were lacking and it just created this, you know, jungle environment and it's every man for himself in the jungle. And I think that's why a lot of employees were going off the, reservation of sorts, um, you know, and kind of doing what they thought they wanted to do. 
Yeah. But if, if you've got all those, those structures up front, you've got a clear training program and you're reinforcing the standards that you've established, then, you know, you're going to correct that sooner than later. And they're, oh, no, no, there is standards, you know, there is, mm-hmm. we do, we do have standards and we do hold people to standards. And, you know, if, and we, we, we've said this many, many times that if you don't have a good culture, the employees will create the culture. <laughs> right. There is always a culture. It's just, it, it, are you dictating it or is someone else dictating it? Right, right. And as we, because you and I did a, an episode on this and, and, and one of the great indicators then that we witnessed where we created positive cultures in our businesses is when the team says, this person's not a fit. That's right. Um, That's when right. the team calls it out, when a team calls out that we're not performing the standards or, or an individual is not contributing, that that tells you you've got something. Yeah. Yeah. And if you've got a bunch of high performing people in your organization, they won't tolerate low performing people who are just doing it because they don't want to do it. Yeah. This is Henry Lopez briefly pausing this episode to invite you to schedule a free coaching consultation with me. I welcome the opportunity to chat with you about your business plans and offer the guidance and accountability that we all need to achieve success. As an experienced small business owner myself, I understand the challenges you're experiencing and often it's about helping you ask the right questions to help you make progress towards achieving your goals. Whether it's getting started with your first business or growing and maybe exiting your existing small business, I can help you get there. To find out more about my business coaching services and to schedule your free coaching consultation, please visit thehowabusiness.com. Take that next step today towards finally realizing your business ownership dreams. I look forward to speaking with you soon. I want to go back to the feedback point. I I want to share what, what I think we all know, but I think it's so important to have as a practice is that you you praise in public, you admonish or reprimand in private, right? So right. I've seen so many environments where there's a lot of yelling and a lot of you know a drama and theatrics. Uh, it never is, in my experience, productive to unless it's a you know a critical situation like, hey, you're about to get run over by that car. Don't do that again, right? Uh, but otherwise, you 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 provide that feedback if it's not positive if it's uh something where you're you're uh you know reprimanding or there's a performance issue you do that in private yeah yeah absolutely i i totally agree with that and a lot of our performance if we don't think about it is fixing things that are wrong and, mm-hmm. and again that was one of my problems is i would walk on site and there would be a thousand and twenty two things going right and I'd see the three things that were going wrong. Right, right. I would, I would point those things out. And it's, yeah. a, it's not a very inspiring way to manage. No. So we've gotten better at that, I think, as a culture and a society of making sure we infuse positive things that are going well. And, um, you know, as a, and here's some things that we need to kind of work on and improve. And, and you, you, you taught me that in, in doing that in the operational meetings that we have by starting off and doing a positive focus mm-hmm. type of call. I think Dan Sullivan also encourages that. So when you, you know, start the workshop, you start writing what's, what happened last quarter that's positive, you yeah, know, well, because a lot of us are always trying to fix things and trying to get better at things. And so our brains sort of go to the things that are going wrong. And that's kind of a natural thing for humans too. We're looking for things that are that are bad. And- well, it's definitely a natural thing for us as entrepreneurs, right? Because we right. we are focused on on moving forward. We're focused on uh, making this thing work well, this machine operate well. We're focused on delivering service for the customer. So we we are on this you know this track, and sometimes we got to step back and realize how it is that we're communicating these things. But what yeah. it leads me to then is rewarding and recognizing outstanding performance. Mm-hmm. And how do we do that? You know, I think we've tried to do that many different ways. The the one of the examples that comes to mind at the frozen yogurt shop was that if we we had a, a policy of practice that if we ever got a review that mentioned somebody by name, that person got a gift card. Mm-hmm. If uh, we got a positive review, everybody working that shift um got rewarded as well. So those are some examples. Now that's in the case of a retail situation, but give me your thoughts then on how do we implement that in other environments? 
Yeah, I think one thing that we started doing when we talk about culture, like one of the big things for us was taking care of the customer. And so when we started having our operational meetings in, you know, monthly operational meetings, we got the manager to say, come up with an example of something that happened in the last month that exemplifies our standards and our culture. And I'll give you an example where we had one employee, a lady locked her keys in the car in the parking lot, which happened a lot at the car because <laughs> they're out vacuuming. All right. That. And so she's locked out and, you know, she doesn't know what to do. So this you know, was right around closing time. So this employee stayed there with this person and waited until the locksmith came to unlock her door. But it was, you know, he stayed with her for an hour and a half, which, which is an example of taking care of the customer. Yeah. Right. Or, or going above and beyond in some cases. But when you tell stories like that and you recognize somebody, what you're doing is you're reinforcing some of the tenets of what you want your culture to be. And so I'm a big fan of storytelling in those meetings when somebody does something great because it not only recognizes that individual, but it reinforces that aspect of the standards and cultures that you're trying to, trying to do. And it ties back to us catching people doing the right things, not just always catching people doing the wrong things. That's right. That's right. You, you gotta, you gotta catch them doing more right things and they'll be willing to kind of hear out the things that they need to get better at. What I have found is environments, work environments, small business work environments, where things start to spiral out of control. You see the signs and what not to do. Don't do this, do this. You know, um, everything is negative. There's a lot of yelling, a lot of, uh, you know, tension. It's Mm -hmm. a downward spiral. And and at the end of the day, then what that is going to impact without a doubt is your customer service, your client service. That's what it'll impact because, uh, employees that are not satisfied, that are not uh, engaged, that are not uh, properly taken care of, are just buying their time until they find a better job, and they're not going to deliver on your standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And you know, I've been to places where we see those signs, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You, know, you can't do this, don't yeah. do that. And a lot of times, as owners or managers, and I, I, I try to encourage my clients, don't don't create a policy based on the. One percent of the customers you got. Exactly right. Exactly right, and that and that happens all the time. We see. We had see a situation. So, so okay, yeah, one person did this, so now we got to put signs everywhere. You know, it's like yeah. Um, yeah. that I think that that is an indication, and I I want for those of you listening to observe that when you go to places as a customer, as a client, and see if you don't also find that correlation. That when you see a lot of those restrictive signage, either pointed towards the customer or to the employees, I bet you that nine out of tens, that's a negative environment and uh, they're struggling with their culture and their best to their best of their attempts. They're not going to deliver consistently on their customer service standards. Yeah. And I would ask you as a, as an owner and a manager, ask yourself, is this an exception situation that happens, you know, once every hundred times, or is it happening often enough that we need to look at it? Right. That's right. And that's where you that's sit right. down with your team and say, this is happening. What's broken in our system that's making this happen? And do you have any ideas on what we can do to address it? Mm-hmm. And those are the productive type of operational meetings, because I am shocked how well the employees can come up with ideas when you ask what their opinion is. It doesn't always have to come from you. And those people are doing that job all the time. You're not doing that job. Or, or you're not in that particular section of the of the office or restaurant or whatever. So if you ask them what they can be doing better, you know, again, taking the aspect, take taking the perspective that they want to do well in their job. They want to be successful. They do want to contribute to the overall organization. So go ahead and let them do it. Yeah. Yeah. I just released a, an episode uh, on similarly on this topic um, about how interrelated the employee experience is with the customer experience and you can't do one without the other. And what can happen sometimes. And as I was, she was explaining, I could see myself being guilty of it in the, in the past of being so focused on delivering the right experience for the customer that I forget that it's the employees, whether they're customer facing or somewhere else that all together allow me to adhere to and and deliver that standard of customer service. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think a lot of people are realizing, and I hear it often now, you take care of your employees, they'll yep. take care of the customer. That's if right. If you don't take That's care right. of employees, they're, they're going to take care of themselves. And, and more and more this these days, we've talked about this on previous episodes, especially if you have a staff or a portion of your staff that is younger generations than us, right? They're again, you you talked about it as far as um uh, as far as what they're what motivates them, but also why they stay somewhere, why they work somewhere is is slightly different than what what motivated us when we started our careers back in the eighties yeah. and the nineties, right? Yeah. And a yeah. lot of it is this this environment. And so a lot of it is they they want and crave understandably we wanted it we just didn't know to demand it is that yeah. that more continuous feedback right yeah yeah and they want to feel like they're vital they want to feel like they're a part of the organization they want to feel like they're contributing to the overall organization and um yeah it's much much different and so it does take a higher level of employee inter interaction and engagement and you know talking about how they're doing and how well they're doing and what they're doing well in and what they can improve on, you know, needs to be an integral part of what you're doing. Yeah. So I want to go back for a moment to systems. Uh, and I want you to share a little bit about as an example, what you're doing with car wash OS to help in your case, car wash operators, but you know, some of it translates, all of it translates to other businesses, but what are those, some of those key to this point that we've been talking about employee development and making sure they understand the standard. Share a little bit about how you're helping uh, car wash operators achieve this. Yeah, so I kind of put it in a what I call the four pillars of operations, because you got to have four something, right? If you're going <laughs> to be three or four, <laughs> right? So, you have to have, to have um, your model, right? My model. Here's the model, right? So the first <laughs> thing is you, you got to decide for yourself what you want to be. Right. So you've got to make a decision, you know, what, what do you want this business to be? How do you want it to interact with the customers? What do you want to be? What don't you want to be? So you've got to go through this whole decision-making process. But the other part that most of us never do is then we've got to document that, right? So somebody's got to sit down and write it and, you know, be able to canonize that information. So, you know, people don't have to read my mind on how I want the car wash to read, to, to run. And so that's, that's always been a big problem with me as a manager. Why don't they understand what I want? Well, cause I never documented it. Right. And so the, that's, that's actually the, the second step. The third step is now you got to start training to it. Right. So you've got to train your employees and what either through, you know, online reading, online videos, examples, practice, um, and, you know, give them, you know, reinforcement when they're doing well, give them, you know, constructive criticism when, you know, they need to improve in certain areas. But that's where, you, you know, that's where you start teaching them what the real standard is. Because as we know, there could be a written standard and then there could be an actual standard. Mm -hmm. And you want those two standards to be as close as possible. So train your employees. If you're doing those three things from a manager's perspective or from an ownership perspective, all you're doing is you're, re you're executing and you're reinforcing. So you're reinforcing what the standard is and you're making sure everybody understands that. And we've used the analogy, you know, nobody water skis anymore. I don't, Henry, I don't know if you knew this. But no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I live by the water here to two yeah. beautiful lagoons and bays and I see all mm -hmm. kinds of water sports. The other day I finally saw a water skier after three years of Did living. Did you? There. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Everybody wakeboards, but I'll, I'll, I'll use the example of wakeboarding. But when you first start out in the water with wakeboarding, there's a lot of resistance on the board, right? And then you use that resistance to pop up on the water. But once you're popping up on the water, there's very little resistance on the wakeboard. And so if you've done three steps correctly, the fourth steps of reinforcing and executing is, is relatively easy. You know, you're just having to do a little bit every day instead of like when I didn't document things or I wanted people to read my mind, I had to go in there and dump my whole brain on them, tell them everything that was going wrong and everything I wanted. And then went away. And the next Monday, guess what? It was the exact same thing. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I, that I just, really, it would just, then it would just infuriate you and drive you crazy. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, and, and I'd lose my mind. The stress yeah. was incredible. <laughs> and, you know, it wasn't until I spent time with Chris Blackie, she made me understand that, it just doesn't work. Right. And, and I think when it was literally the light bulb flipped on to me, you know, that this, 
this was the major problem with me and my management style. And that's why you need to go get help. So, you know, if, if you're in car washing or not in car washing, you need to get somebody to help you document your operational processes so you can use that as a training program. The other thing I think is important is let your employees see what the training program looks like. So like for us, we had a 180 day training program. So that's what we, we developed for our clients. That's a great thing for an employee to, to see. Absolutely. And as, as you know, we've been told before, when you hire an employee, they're still interviewing for you. They're still making the decision if this is a good place to work. And if you give them a clear path, you do a great job of onboarding, you show them what the process looks like for training, that goes a long way for them to make the decision, yes, I made a good choice. This is where I want to be. I think it's huge. I'll come back to those two points. But for somebody who is listening, who is in a car wash business, where can we go to learn more about what you're offering? Yeah, we've got a website called carwashos.com. And it's got our programs on there. But uh, one of the big programs we're working on now is really helping people develop operational systems. So going in and developing the operational processes and documenting them. Because even even large car wash chains that might have 50 or 100 car washes, a lot of them don't have operational manuals. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so this is uh, so I'm glad you bring that up because if you're a small business owner and you're listening to this, don't feel bad about it. You're you're amongst the majority. Oh and yeah. So this is an opportunity for us as small business owners to to differentiate ourselves to be better because yeah. because a lot of businesses don't do that. I mean, going back to your earlier point about people coming back later who you employed in the past, and you know we heard this uh, often at the yogurt shop, at the car washes. I heard it at the salon, all of the businesses that I've owned how much they appreciate it. And a lot of these were younger people. So it might've been their first job where they experienced it. And that's why yeah. later they would come back. But we we were willing to invest upfront. Not only, not only did we communicate effectively the expectations before we hired you, but then we were willing to invest in training. And I think that's another sign of a business that has issues. We see it when we show up somewhere and the person who's taking care of us is obviously the first day on the job. And I'm supposed to, as the customer, help train your employee, right? <laughs> That's one of my biggest pet peeves I've talked about. It used to drive you nuts. Oh, it just drives, still drives me nuts. Still drives me nuts. <laughs> because what you're telling, you're, first of all, you're disrespecting me as a customer. What you're yeah. saying is my time doesn't matter. That yeah. And it just, and it drives me crazy because I know what you're doing. You're shortcutting the process. You're throwing this employee out there to do this before they're ready, before you've invested in training. And probably what you're telling me is, well, they're going to quit anyway, so I might as well just throw them out there. Why invest in training? And that's the death spiral that I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I so think, investing uh, I think in training work... is critical that we do that. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, I think the people that worked for us at the yoga shop were shocked. At they were the shocked. Quiz that yeah. we gave them <laughs> yeah. after how many, how many weeks? Yeah, it, it was. I can't remember how long it was, but they had to consume material and then take a test. So we're talking about a simple yogurt shop, right? Yeah, and, and it, sometimes it even I would test. question it, David. I would, I would think, you know, <laughs> am I doing? Am I overkill here? And maybe, yeah. But you know what? We delivered for ten years consistent, remarkable customer service. Yeah. I can say yeah, that I, without a doubt. Yeah. And, yeah. and people, and you had to have a high score to pass. It was like 85 or 90%. It was, it wasn't true. It was 90%. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and then people didn't pass. It's like, you got to go do it again, you yeah. know? And you know what and, it was included in this test that, that I want people to think about is product knowledge. Yeah. Amazing yeah. to me how often, uh, I, I get it. You may have a very complex product, but for most of us, your employees should know the essentials, the basics, well, certainly yeah. the differentiators of what right. it is that you're offering at a yeah. minimum, an employee should be well-versed in that. Right. Yeah. yeah um, people ask this question, like which ones are sugar-free, which ones are exactly, not, which ones exactly. are free, which ones are not, you know, I was at a restaurant uh, last week, classic Henry Lopez and my wife cringes because <laughs> it's been a while since I've done this. Cause we actually, actually got up and left. Oh uh, yeah. I hadn't done that in a while. It's uh, I learned that from my father. But sat down, a lot of things that happened, but I'll share the one issue related to this. I asked the waitress, 
there was a um, it was an Italian restaurant, so there was an antipasto salad on the menu, and I asked, "What's on the antipasto salad?" Now, if you've ever had an antipasto salad, you know that it's mostly it's the antipasto means before the pasta, and it's usually cold cuts and cheeses and so forth. Sometimes in America, we turn that into a salad, or but but it's got cold cuts. Well, she she said verbatim, um, I think it has olives and. Uh, cheese on it and then she yells out to the back to i guess the manager i never saw that person what's on the antipasto salad <laughs> so so immediately now there were other things that happened this i didn't walk out because of that but but yeah suffice it to say that that was a clear indication to me that this person doesn't even know the menu of what they offer yeah. right yeah yeah so like, apply that to whatever it is that you sell or offer or provide Training and investing in training is critical to employee performance management. We must do that. It ties back to when we analyze when we are having a performance issue with an employee, being honest and be able to look at where did our systems, where did we fail that employee? And then the other point that you mentioned that I want to go back to here as we start to wrap up is reinforcement. Because right. I think that that's the other thing that we expect we expect as the owner, sometimes we forget that everybody else isn't an owner. So their motivation is different, right? Completely different. Completely, Completely different. different. So it's understandable that we have to keep that dimmer switch up. We we have to do that. We have to continue to, to, to develop, to nurture the culture and to reinforce that standard. Yeah. Good, good people love working at places that have high standards. Agreed. That has been my experience. Yeah. And so if you remember that and, you know, and, and you create an environment like that, that's going to be going to be huge. Agreed. Agreed. All right. I got a bunch of downloads. I've mentioned a couple of them already, but let me just rattle them off. So go to the show notes page for this episode. That just means the the page for this episode. So you go when you go to the howabusiness.com and then you click on podcast in the menu bar, then you'll see the list of all of the episodes. Go to this episode. I've got the sample job description, description and posting, as I mentioned already the employee review uh, form, uh, a self-assessment. We didn't talk about that, but I, I do like the idea. I've had have some of my clients say, well, before the formal review, they're providing the employee with a self-assessment form to kind of get them mm -hmm. in the frame of mind and also get their input. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll give you a lot of insights if I they think do so. a self-assessment. And a lot yeah. of times if, if they're, if they're honest, they're going to, they're going to talk about things they need to get better at that you were probably going to talk about anyway. That's right. That's right. So it makes it easier. Now, I'm not a believer going back to the corporate world of, you know, the hundred question survey. Uh, the one that I have here as an example, I think has five questions and, and a rating. Yeah, yeah, so perfect. keep it simple. Don't overdo it. That's my opinion. Uh, then I've got a, a, we, you and I had done an episode previously on ways to engage hourly employees. I'll have a link mm -hmm. to that episode and we created the download, which I'll have here on this uh, page as well, the five ways to engage hourly employees. So I've got down that download. And then the corrective, what we call a corrective counseling form. I think you named it originally. And that's where I added this flow chart that we walk through, this decision flow chart of that helps you determine and help you decide what to do based on unable or unwilling. So that is all in that download. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So lots of tools there. I've got lots of episodes. If you haven't listened to them already, as I've mentioned several on this topic of employees and managing employees, including one of the two episodes that you and I did way back when I first started a podcast in 2016 was mm -hmm. hiring employees. We, we have a series of those episodes. All yeah. of that is still great content. So go to the howabusiness.com, click on the podcast menu in the top and go to the archives. And then I have groupings of topic and you'll see employees as a topic and that's where all of these episodes reside yeah terrific. all right let's wrap it up one takeaway as i always like to do um this conversation we've had about employee performance management for small businesses what would be one takeaway that you would share you know i think you got to look at letting people go as kind of a mercy situation you got to let them you know, a lot of people are reluctant to want to fire or terminate somebody. And I get it. It's hard to do. But if you have the mindset that you're doing them a favor, they can go somewhere else where they think they're, they're where they can be successful. 
you're actually doing your organization and you're really doing them a favor. And I think, I think a lot of people that come back and talk to me, you know, that maybe we had to let go said, Oh, I really appreciate you doing that. I learned a lot, you know, I kind of grew up and made a lot of changes and, you know, you have people thanking you for, for, you know, terminating their employment. Um, if you, if you have a, you know, an attitude of it's, you're, you're doing them, you're doing the organization a favor and you're doing them a favor. And if you're, you know, nice about it and graceful about it, I think it goes a long way. Yeah. Well said it to, to Vicky piggyback off of that. I think that if you run a business where you have done your best to provide that employee, the training, the skills development, the understanding of the standards, you've done your best to help them do the job right. And it still doesn't work out for whatever reason, then I, I don't think we should, we should lose much sleep over having to let somebody go. It can still be hard. Like, you know, my wife to this day tells me I'm not going to fire another employee ever. I made her do that once at the salon and it just traumatized her. But, <laughs> but I, I think that if you, if you have done your best then that it, like you said, it's the right thing for the business. It's the right thing probably for the employee that you're letting go. I do. I do right. always go back to that saying, you know, hire so slow fire fast, uh, right. but be honest with yourself. And for me, the key takeaway is, you know, this, to summarize everything we've talked about, start, if you don't have it now, start to put in place these systems that we've shared with you even if it's just starting with some kind of a formal review process. But I would say even more valuable is to really honestly look at those expectations you're setting and communicating of your standards when somebody joins your operation. And then what are you investing in them to teach them how to do it the right way? That, right. that would be my takeaway. And if it's something you're not good at, go get help for it. I mean, Henry's a good example of somebody that helps a lot of businesses do those type of things. So don't don't be afraid to go get help if it's not your forte. And that's that's a big frustration, I think, for owners is they feel like they've got to be able to do everything. To get people to sit down and write an operations manual, it's a very unique skill set. And you're right. We don't expect people to do we don't expect our clients to be able to do it. They come to us because they realize they can't do it, but it might be that you've got to go get help to do it. Well said. Dave, thanks again for coming and uh, joining me as yeah. co-host and sharing your thoughts and knowledge on this topic. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. I always enjoy being with you. I always talk, love talking about these subjects. So I'm always happy to join you anytime. Thank you. I wish you all the best as you start and grow your successful and profitable small business. This is Henry Lopez and my guest host again today was David Begin. Thanks for listening to this episode. I release new episodes every Monday morning. And you can find the show anywhere you listen to podcasts, including at my website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.